I'm here with Matt Wild from Crops, um, and we're going to talk about the might of the church in Peterborough schools. So Matt, Crops stands for? Christian Options in Peterborough Schools. Fantastic. Um, and then just give us a, a really brief overview of what Crops okay. does. Yeah. Well, we work uh, mainly in schools as a resource to uh, schools on different levels. Um, uh, our mission is, is all about sharing Jesus with the children and young people of Peterborough. So there's a proclamational aspect to what we do, uh, assemblies, um, lessons, where we're, we're, we're sharing uh, the, uh, the message of Jesus, what Christians believe, how it works out in, in real life, and helping young people to understand uh, the relevance of the Christian faith. So that's, that's a kind of big part of what we do. Uh, then there's also that um, sort of pastoral, uh, supportive um, part of what we do, where we are just being there for young people um, with all the reality of what they're facing, um, an expression of, of, of God's love and heart and wanting to see his wholeness. So that, that holistic sense of yeah. uh, kind of the fullness of life that Jesus brings. Mm. Um, we, we share Jesus and we want young people to have that wholeness and um, so whether that's mentoring one-to-one, whether that's um, the, the chaplaincy work that we do at Peterborough College, um, whether it's the, the lunchtime clubs that we uh, run or support in, in secondary schools, um, providing safe spaces for young people and um, to listen to them, to be with them, to help in whatever way. So, um, But we, we are also um, involved in running things outside of school, which um, uh, I guess, touch across churches, bringing young people together, um, uh, s- celebrating the device, diversity of uh, the church in Peterborough um, is, is part of our sort of aim. And just that kind of, yeah, I, I think instilling that uh, at a young age that the church isn't just the church that I go to. It's, yeah, we're, yeah. we're actually part of this bigger, this bigger family. And... Um, so we are equipping young people for life at school and beyond into university and the workplace. So. And I just think it's fa- fantastic, you know, as, as churches, I know at Breton, we kind of ebb and flow with how many youth we have, you know, but to be able to connect to a city-wide kind of body of youth and be able to forge relationships across churches and across the city, it's a fantastic opportunity. I mean, I, I look back on my own, you know, teenage years and... and that was there in some kind of way in the work of crops and you now I've still got friendships with people who um from who were in different churches and mm. um we, we you know you don't see the barriers you know you just see the people but you don't see the different oh you're from this church yeah. or from that church it's it's just about coming together and I think that's uh, really rich you know even before uh, COVID-19 and lockdown mental health mm. and well-being has been a significant thing um, for young people and uh, and I guess lockdown and, and all the impacts of, of the pandemic have just kind of not just brought that to the surface but you know exacerbated it really mm-hmm. and so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about um, giving young people that opportunity to be together it's one of our um, three priorities for this year of crops is about uh, reconnecting and regathering young people um, where we can in safe ways. Um, uh, yes, it's great to do stuff online, and um, 
they want to be together. They they are they're fed up with Zoom and yeah. all this kind of thing, and um, so yeah, it's it's a real challenge, but um, a great opportunity. Yeah, which we rise to absolutely so, exactly. You know, we were talking earlier about how you know kind of the church has been in different eras, and there was you know a time when the church was the centre of society and people went to the church they looked to the church um you know that's why we have so many church buildings everywhere the sunday school movement and, and all of that and um uh, even if people weren't highly committed it was still seen as a the, the central place um but we're in a different world mm. and the church is not the center of society however much we would like it to be and uh, we're called to go out and, and, and to be there amongst people uh, to to, to go with God on his mission. Yeah. And um, and so what I see happening here at Crops, um, you know, through uh, kind of the volunteers and people in churches is that we're, we're able to, um, in some way, re- release that potential which is in, uh, in the church. And um, uh, whether you call it might, whether you call it power, whether you call it potential, you know, there's... There's um, something latent there, which um, when we all come together and do something together, um, and yeah, all that we do in our our own churches serving is really important. Um, but yeah, it's it's very powerful, and and I believe God's mission is being enacted and and um, and is taking place through all of that. Yeah, and, and lives are being touched and transformed. You know, we talk about you know reaching out to schools. Well, we, we're finding more and more that the schools are reaching out to us to right. say, you know, you've been given as mentors. Have you got any more? Because we've got so many young people who, who need support. Um, you know, there was a BBC article this week um, in the news saying that half of schools in the UK uh, don't have any on-site support or counselling for young people. Wow. Um, you know, and um, this crops mentoring, um, you know, is just... A response to that, and 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 shows the need for that, and um and and how the church really can uh, be out there, and uh, God's people can, can can be be the be the church. You know, he- hearing the stories, heartbreaking stories of of what young people face. Just our mentors going back in after lockdown uh, this term, and and you know, we we all kind of asked that question. You know, how how was your lockdown? Hearing a couple of the mentors talk about how. You know, different students just said, well, it was pretty rubbish, actually, mm-hmm. because all my parents were bothered about was, you know, spending the money we had on alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're living with each day. And um, we're very sheltered. We're very cushioned from from those kind of realities. But um, but we can do something. And I, I'm excited about how um, we're able to see uh, kind of God's purposes being outworked, you know. Um, I think back to an assembly that I was doing um, in a school for, I was, would go every morning to do a different um, portion of the school. And I think on the second day I got there and I was there early getting my laptop all hooked up and everything. And there wasn't really anyone in the hall yet. Some kids were waiting outside and these two students came in um, literally about three minutes before the assembly was about to start before everyone was going to come in. And they started asking me all these really big questions, you know, like why does God allow suffering? And, and um, you know, um, you know, how, how do you know that you know, kind of God created what you know, all these sort of really, you know, big philosophical questions yeah. and you know, apologetic stuff. And I, I was, 
I was not on form on that <laughs> morning. And um, I bumbled out a few kind of uh, answers and um, and then went and looked, so I was thinking about my assembly, you know, I launched into it and everything. And, and um, I came away thinking, oh, I really didn't do a good job there. I didn't sort of let those those guys down. And um, and I was thinking, what, what would I do better, you know? And um, I was there, obviously, uh, kind of each morning and a bit later in the week, I, I bumped into them outside um, in the corridor, outside the assembly hall, they were going to something else and just had a little chat to them and said, look, I'm really sorry. I, you know, didn't really feel I answered your questions that well. But um, and I, part of me had, had, had felt that they were just trying to trip me up. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you're you're the the person who comes in doing the god slot in the assembly, and you know, and and um, but but it was really interesting. Um, obviously, I didn't say that to them, mm. but um, what what I you know in kind of saying, look, I'd, I'd love to have a bit more time. That wasn't really a great time for me to to to, to properly answer your questions. And they said to me, um, you know, the reason we we came and spoke to you is because. We don't have anywhere else in school where we can ask those questions. Right, right. And um, um, in a sense, you're our you're our space to, you know, um, where we can ask these questions. Wow. And so, um, you know, kind of what what we're doing, I, I really believe is 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 filling a void where mm. there isn't that message. There isn't that, um, you know, whether schools aren't doing it or aren't able to do it or don't have the right people or um and uh i guess we go sort of in proxy on behalf of the church mm. um you know almost as missionaries yeah um uh, but at the same time um, because we know we can't do reach every every child or young person in you know there's th- there must be thirty thousand in in peterborough schools primary and secondary we, we're never going to reach all no. of those children young people we can get some you know the message out in a big way um uh, in different contexts but uh, so we go on you know in that proxy way but we go you know almost saying come come on this journey with us you know um, churches of peterborough you you can be equipped to to be a part of this yeah um you know you can go into the in, into schools as well and be the might of the church and um just a, a sport you know Rachel Jessup um, is part of Brett Baptist you, you all know and and love and Rachel's doing a great work mm. um, volunteering with our primary schools um, but she's not just doing the work she's she's training others um, she's developed a network heart for children um, kind of bringing others like-minded people from uh, people churches to um, encourage and resource and, and get others um, passionate about um, uh, children's ministry in the schools as well yeah that and that's fantastic i think earlier when we were speaking you said about the church not being the kind of go-to place i think you used the word privilege you know the church once had privilege yes, where that's right where people yeah. looked yeah. to the church um and in a sense we don't have that privilege anymore no. um but there is this amazing privilege um that you guys have um and that we can have um mm. by supporting crops and getting involved and that that's the thing that I kind of want to communicate is that it is a privilege. It's not a volunteer drive, come and do this, otherwise something doesn't happen. Or it's, it can be exhausting, it can be tiring, it can be hard work. But the immense privilege um, that it is to be involved in other people's lives and young people's lives is huge. What are some of the challenges and things? Because 
like the the mentoring has been going how long now? We're in our fourth year. Okay. Um, in fact, we're probably coming up to the end of our fourth year of of crops mentoring. Um, and yeah, we you know there was a big fundraising drive for that at the start. One of our trustees uh, did the Seven Oceans Challenge right. eventually um, over a number of years, uh, swimming some of the most wow. wild and dangerous um, open swim waters location. Yeah. Raised uh, enough money to get that project going you know, over the, the first year and a half. You know, there is a challenge how we continue to fundraise yeah. around that. And people always like to fund something that's new, but it's the ongoing, you know, beyond those first yeah. few years um, is, is, is growing the, um, the funding to, to keep that project going much, much needed. And um, I think what, one of the challenges that we face at the moment is um, in our work with schools, whilst we've got really good relationships with, with staff, just the pressure that they're under, mm-hmm. um, and all that they're all the extra that on top of what they would normally do uh, to uh, maintain this um, uh, safe and secure on a COVID level environment for, for kids to come into school. It's just everything is taking so much longer. Yeah, and um, you know even September with, with with the mentoring starting back, we, we knew that would be a real kind of. Um, uh, Part of the work which schools would definitely want to get moving with again, you know, knowing the kids come, coming back in with with lots of issues from lockdown, um, but it it has felt a little bit like we've had to start again, mm. um, not completely, but just to get things you know in place again for our mentors to go back in. We're, we're passionate about being back in school. It's one of our priorities for the year, uh, you know, in school ministry and re- sort of uh, kind of finding that dynamic again. And how can we continue to? Uh, present the message of Jesus to support young people um, where at the moment a lot of schools don't really want visitors unless it's really absolutely necessary um, so yeah there are those kind of operational challenges yeah. um, and you know we just love people's prayer um, kind of aside from finances just how, how we c- can maintain that that input and that contact you know it's not not a, it's a tough place to be for, for many kids at the moment and yeah. um so yeah lots of challenges that's brilliant okay well you know if you're stirred up or excited by crops in any way then obviously there's financial investment there's time investment if you want to find more information then you know reach out to matt and i'm sure i'll be happy to uh, please do uh, yeah take you up and snap your hand off um well thank you so much for your time matt thank Um, you for letting me be part of this that's great yeah and it's fantastic to hear about the need you're meeting and, and just the the base that you've established over the years, you know, that talk about privilege and you've, you've said about the schools coming to you. Um, I think that privilege and that opportunity to be sought out and the respect and position you've got in the schools and amongst the kids then from the sound of it, it's fantastic. So we just pray that, yeah, the might of the church continues to work through that and that Holy Spirit just works through you yeah, and the volunteers um, going forward. So thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 22. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Good morning. Many years ago, when Mary and I lived in Devon, we went across the River Dart at Kingswear to see the Red Arrows jets do their usual display. And as always, it was fantastic. After done a display, it was a slight lull, but then suddenly there was this loud roar and the ground started to shake, and every one of us looked up into the sky. And there, just above the River Dart, was a typhoon jet in all its power and glory. It suddenly turned its nose towards the heavens, opened up its throttle, and roared off as if it was going to try and get to the moon or Mars. As a result, the, the noise was incredible. There was more power, more energy, more might. The ground shook. It was phenomenal. There's a true picture of might there. I've been asked to speak on the subject of the might of the church for a new era. When you think about the might of the church, what do you think about? I straight away think about the early church. The early church was used by God to literally change the world. Incredible. Do we see that same might today? Do we think the church is mighty today? If you ask many commentators, some would say yes, because there are large churches around even in our country. Others would say no, because like me, people have seen many churches close in their lifetime. Also, if you look at the church morally, some might say, is it mighty today? Recently, Nicky Gumbel said this, the church is powerless in the West because the lack of integrity. You may not agree with Nicky, but if you're in touch with recent news, you might think he's got a very good point. As we look at the mind of the church for today, I want to look at it under three headings, essence, evidence and expectation. Essence, what is this might? Whose might is it? Well, from our reading, we know the might isn't made by men or women. It's actually God's might. Secondly, the evidence. Where have we seen that might in action? Well, again, in the reading, it made it very clear. This was the might. This was the power that actually raised Jesus from the dead and also then took him into heaven. Incredible. When you read Matthew's account of the resurrection, you read this, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. 
Here we are, tough Roman soldiers, scared, frightened, becoming like dead men. Incredible. So in the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, we see the might of God, the power of God used. Paul in the book of Philippians actually said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Quite a prayer. He prays for the church as well, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And then he later goes on to say in chapter 3 of Ephesians that his ministry is done in the power of God. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So Paul was totally reliant on the power of God. Power is used a lot in the book of Ephesians. And by the way, most of my message, like the series, is being based on the book of Ephesians. And I'm using the English standard version of the Bible. And that word power is there as four different Greek words. And as we go through our message, that word will pop up from time to time. God's might in action, hopefully through us and through the church. But we will hear more about that as we now have the next reading from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we've looked briefly at Paul's expectation on us to be dressed properly and to be filled daily, for us to know something of the might of God in our life, and therefore affect the church that we go to. And in the book of Ephesians, there's plenty of advice, so we certainly won't cover it all. For us to know this might of God in our church life, in our corporate life together. Recently on TV, on the one show, a lady who owned a cafe in Notting Hill was talking about how sad she felt because the Notting Hill carnival wasn't going to happen. And she summed it up by saying this, the vibration of unity. She was talking about the celebration of people coming together for the Notting Hill Carnival. Incredible. 
the vibration unity. I love that phrase. And surely that's what should be the mark of a mighty church. When you look at the book of Ephesians, it shouts about unity and love and oneness. Uh, incredible. And togetherness is another word that we find there. If you add up the words together, unite, love, you'll find these words have been used 45 times. Eugene Peterson, in his introduction to Ephesians, in the message translation of the Bible, says, and so Paul goes to work. He ranges widely from heaven to earth and back again, showing how Jesus the Messiah is eternally and tirelessly bringing everything and everyone together. Incredible. And the message translates the end of chapter 4, verse 6 this way. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. The whole of the book is saying, have a vibration of unity, have a oneness. That's where God is shown in a powerful way. God is into unity. Chapter 1, there's this verse. As a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God's plan is actually to unite all things to himself through Jesus. God himself is indeed a unity. Again, if you go to the book of Ephesians, you'll see there are verses where God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are mentioned close to each other. God himself, three in one as we say, the Trinity he is a unity. There are themes in Ephesians that shout this unity. The barrier between me and God has been removed because Jesus died to forgive us for our sins. That barrier has been removed. I can know a holy God. The barrier between Jew and Gentile has been removed. They're now one in Jesus. At the end of the book of Ephesians, God's really talking about unity and love in different relationships. There's advice on husband and wife relationships, master and servant relationship, parent and child relationship. So the book is actually shouting a oneness, a togetherness, a unity, because when we practice that, we are showing the might of God in action. We are showing the might of God in our churches we therefore become a mighty church. And there's another verse that sums this up. As I said, all these verses are from Ephesians, so do your homework and chase them up. Ephesians 4, 1-6 I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4 15 to 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint 
with which it is equipped, when each body part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4, 31-32 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander to be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Talking about the body of Christ, the church, this is what Paul has to say. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we are a mighty church, that's what happens. There's growth and there's a lot of love. I want to give four practical tips to help this unity. And I'm going to go through it very, very quickly. But these things will actually encourage unity. In our third reading, we talked about care, conversation, conflict and collaboration. Care for each other. Did you get those words? We're meant to have humility. We're meant to be tender hearted. We're meant to be compassionate. We're meant to be bearing with one another. That's an interesting phrase. It actually means we're meant to hold one another up. The mark, I believe, of a mighty church is a church that's full of people that not just in name only, but in action, quietly behind this scene, is holding one another up when perhaps the other person is having a tough time or dealing with tragedy or crisis or issues they haven't got any smart answers to. Conversation, twice in Ephesians, we're told to speak, to speak the truth in love. Speak it with honesty. Speak to our neighbours. Speak the truth in love. Personally, I feel that phrase in the Christian circle has been misused so much over the years. A lot could be said about this. We sometimes do the speaking, but it's not always the truth and it's not always love there, is it? It's our own opinion. But until we can have open, honest conversations, that are spoken in the right manner, not in anger, not in frustration, but because we want to see the church united. How on earth are we going to sort out differences in a church? Conflict. We read this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ... Sorry. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We need conflict that's resolved. It's a tragedy if in churches there are people who avoid each other. If we are like that, if any church is like that, how on earth can we expect the church to come across to our communities in a mighty way? And the challenge there in that verse is we have the supreme example we should be forgiving each other because Christ has forgiven us. Then my last little bit of practical advice is collaboration. We need to work together. Richard, in the sermon that kicked off this series, had this phrase, we are stronger together as a church. And surely if that is true, the opposite is true. If we're not together, then we're weaker. Our witness isn't positive. Yes, to start with, people might think that we're actually a great church 
until they come to the church and start to get to really know what's going on beneath the surface. I've shared this story with the church before, but a friend of mine called Rob Watson canoed down the River Yancey many years ago. And as he stopped with his friends who were with him, they would talk openly about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was quite risky in that day. And what came back to them one day from a group of students was Christians are poor and happy and they love each other. Isn't that incredible? They're poor, but they're happy and they actually love each other. What did Jesus encourage us to do in John 13, verse 33? Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What is the might of the church in the new era? I think it's in unity, showing a love of Christ to our communities, putting it into practice. That might mean us working just in our own church, but it might mean us working with other churches. Some of you will know that there's a guy called Yinka who is actually the Baptist president for this year. If you get onto the website, you'll see this is what he has to say. In 2008, the church in Reading experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, followed in 2016 by a second evangelistic outpouring of the Holy Spirit labelled the turning. This second outpouring has resulted in thousands of believers across many denominations and streams going out onto the streets and sharing their faith with their communities. Yinka goes on to say this, Of course, while I'm proud of my Baptist heritage, I realise that the job of mission will only truly ever have the biggest impact through working with others in our towns and cities in a collaborative way. Partnering with other churches and streams will have the greatest impact in reaching the lost. Some of you know the Love Your Neighbour programme. There are 52 hubs throughout this country. There is one in Peterborough and it's having an incredible impact and showing that in this present era, the church is mighty because it's out there meeting the needs of the community. In the September-October Idea magazine for Evangelical Alliance, Gavin Calwell said this in reply to what should the churches be doing in this COVID time. He says, so what should the church do? We need to be coordinated. We must be united. We need to pray. And sure, certainly, we can be a mighty church in the area of Breton, but we can also be part of a mighty church in Peterborough by working together with other churches. I know, of course, some of that already happens, but perhaps we've got to look more. I don't know. If you watch the programme The Voice on TV, you know they've got... Uh, the kids version of the voice and one of the finalists was a little girl called Victoria I think she was only about seven years of age 
And she sang with Will I Am the song Where Is the Love? That, in fact, is the song that Will I Am wrote. And in that song, it's crying out to the world, Where is the love? It talks about the different things in our world that are going wrong. And there's a line that says, Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. We believe as Christians that God has sent the answer. He has sent his own son. And we as Christians need, obviously, to put that love into practice. To show the love of Christ, the love of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to show that in our communities. Perhaps we already are. The irony about this word might is this. It can mean power and strength, but it also has the feeling of indecision. In other words, it says, I might do that if I feel like it. As we challenge ourselves this morning, and as we look at our own church, and we want to move forward, my question is, what kind of might are we hanging on to? There is a warning here. It's not in the book of Ephesians, but it is to the church at Ephesus. Those of you who know the book of Revelation, you'll know that one of the letters says to the book, to the church at Ephesus, Jesus says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. I'm not going to preach a sermon on that uh, from Revelation chapter 2, so you can relax. But you'll know that actually that church had a theology right. It was doing all the good works, but actually they'd forsaken their first love. Many a commentator has worked out what that first love is. Well, the bottom line, it will end up obviously being the love for Jesus. So I hope and pray that as we fall in love with Jesus each day, we will do the things in church that reflect his love, not have a sense of duty or guilt, but we're doing it because we love Jesus. And as a result of his Holy Spirit flowing through us, we will show the might of God's church in the area of Breton and Peterborough. I end again with a verse from Ephesians as a prayer. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.